Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Imagine what it's like to sail on the open sea, the wind, the waves, the sunshine, the tranquility of it all. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But suddenly, without warning, your calm and peaceful moment is shattered by chaos. The ship you were sailing on is under attack by pirates. It's chaotic. It's awful. The scenario is very similar to what can happen to you almost every day if you're a mom, especially during those early childhood years. Thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. We're going to be sharing some encouragement and hope, especially for young moms. And dads, we'd recommend you hang around as well because a mom with young children needs all the support she can get. Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. John, that was impressive. <laughs> Let me applaud that. Wow. Drama. I heard you yeah. do the drama. Well, we'll have to look for opportunities yeah, like that. It was go. inspired by memories of raising small children and what my wife was like when I got home. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that show a different time. Okay. But today we're talking about peace pirates. This is a great concept. And, uh, you know, I wasn't the pirate. I was more like Batman as a kid running around saving I the neighborhood. I identified with him, too. I, don't know <laughs> I used a towel and a clothespin <laughs> to create the cave. Many boys we did. didn't have a lot of money, but uh, it was so much fun. But uh, what you're describing uh, can be a challenging situation season for moms and dads who are caring for young children. It is chaos. It is that storm and the winds and the waves crashing into the the ship of your family. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to talk with a wonderful guest about some of those observations and how to embrace the moment and perhaps even calm the storm. Yeah, we're uh, really happy to have Ashley Willis back with us again here in the studio. Uh, she was here a few months ago with her husband, Dave. Uh, describing how you can have a stronger, healthier marriage, even during storms. And uh, today we're going to be hearing more about a book she wrote. It's got a great title, Peace Pirates, Conquering the Beliefs and Behaviors that Steal Your Treasure in Motherhood. And you can find out more when you call us, 800, the letter A and the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Ashley, welcome back to Focus. Thank you. I just love being here with you guys. Now, did you realize this was going to be an intervention for John and his pirate, uh, his pirate <laughs> we desires? We booted the pirates off the ship. It's all good now. That was I'm still impressed by I know. That. I was impressed, too. It was great. Ashley, uh, let's get into it. You're a mother of four boys, ages 7 to 17. Yes. Moms listening just went, wow, <laughs> you're like esteemed among all women, four oh, boys goodness. of those ages. We have two, mm -hmm. and uh, but I mean, it, it is busy. Yes. And I'm sure households with girls are busy too. Don't let Absolutely. me fool anyone. Um, in that regard, um, with that busyness, how do you continue to love your children in that way that you want to, that you know they need to? Be loved yes. with all that going on. I mean, with the runny noses, with the messes, with the cleanup, with the loads of laundry, everything that's going on, no matter how you and Dave divide those responsibilities. But right. man, how do you keep the ship moving in the right direction toward a North Star? Oh my goodness. I think it just takes, it takes a lot of intentionality and a lot of monitoring and adjusting. If there's anything I've learned, you know, in being a mom for 17 years now, that's what I've, I've learned that I never really figure it out. It's pretty amazing when you say it that way, being a mom for 17 years. I know it really, I I'm still like, have I really been a mom that long? But that's, that's how long yeah, I've been a mom. Yeah, you're not that and, old by the way. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But I'm telling you, the, these kids, they, they've taught me so much because 
just when I think, and just when Dave, my husband thinks like, oh, we've got this parenting thing down. There's a new season. Maybe we add an additional child to the family. Something else changes. You know, their life will throw a lot of things your way. And so there is a lot of chaos. And I've, you know, I kind of, for a big portion of my life, believe the lie that chaos and that many of us believe, I think this is kind of what our culture believes, that really you cannot have peace if there's any kind of chaos in your life. Like the only time you can really have peace as a family, as a mom, as a dad, mm. is when there's like your circumstances are calm and everything is going your way. You're achieving those dreams you set out. The kids are always behaving like that. That was my belief. And what I found, gosh, in all the years being a mother is, man, if that's the definition, how in the world can I ever experience God's peace? And so I set out on this journey to really discover, you know, how can I have peace in motherhood? Because I don't want to just begrudgingly get through motherhood and just survive it. I want to actually thrive and I want to truly enjoy my kids. And so that's why I talk about these things I call peace pirates, these things that are kind of attacking my peace, because that's what pirates want to do. They want to steal from you. They want to make you feel, you know, like everything's topsy-turvy. And there are things in our life that do this, but in the book I describe, you know, how we can really combat that. And it really starts first by understanding what God's peace really is. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't know why we have this boat metaphor going, but we yes. do, the pirate thing. But, <laughs> yes. you know, Jesus himself in the storm, exactly, he was asleep. Exactly. And the disciples weren't really happy about that, I don't think. They didn't seem to expect, like, how can he sleep through this, mm-hmm. right? And then he kind of wakes up and says, hey, you guys got your attention on the wrong thing. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. I mean, and- that is the analogy. It is. And I, and I love that story too, because, you know, he's recorded as saying, peace be still. And he does calm the waters. He does calm those chaotic circumstances really to kind of teach the disciples a lesson and that they can depend on him. But he also, in essence, is telling us, listen, even when the waters are going crazy, if you can just trust, trust in the Lord, trust that he still sees it all, that he's still with you, you can actually have peace in the midst of the storm. I actually did a Hebrew word study on the word peace. Many people know it's shalom, you know, in the Hebrew. You go to Israel today, instead of just saying hello, they're going to actually say shalom, which actually means have God's peace. And when you look at the deeper meaning of this and the earliest way that the Hebrews wrote this word to each other, the four symbols that make up the word shalom actually carry this definition. It means breaking the authority established by chaos. Wow. I know. And when I set out to write this book, I didn't even know that definition yet. But when I looked at it, I just, it it just blew my mind because I thought, oh my goodness, that's what God wants us to have. He wants us to have his peace. And it means being under his authority, not the authority of whatever chaos is going on in our life, not the authority of a wayward teenager, not the authority of, you know, the tantrums of a toddler, not the authority of a financial situation that's just making us feel like we can't get a grip on life. You know, we have to make sure that we put all of those things under God's authority by surrendering them to him and also trusting him. And I mean, really having peace in the midst of chaos has a lot to do with trust. We do a series with Ray Vanderlaan called That the World May Know, and he's a Jewish scholar. And he adds to that too. He says, when sin entered the world, chaos entered the world. Isn't that a great way to look at that? And that's what, you know, that's what batters our ship every day is the chaos of this world. Um, You know, keeping that trend of the boat metaphor, you had a kayak story (laughs) in the book that was I mean, first of all, it's hilarious, but you started, I'm going to jump in and say something. You go ahead. Sure. 
All right. Well, when I was pregnant with our fourth boy, I was about 30 weeks pregnant. So I had, you know, two elementary schoolers at the time. And I think our third was probably two or three years old. I decided it was a good idea for us to go and do this big kayak trip. Here's you know, the interruption. You... What were you thinking? Oh my gosh, Jim, I don't know. <laughs> 30 weeks pregnant? Yes. What were you... Was this oh, like a this. pregnant thing? It was a pregnant thing. Did you go, thing. oh, let's go for this kayak? It really was. Well, How we did you at... even like comfortably get in the thing? I don't even know. Like I look back on this because I had to have on, you know, a... Uh, a vest, a vest, and yeah. everything, and I'm like, how did this even happen? But we were on a little family stroll by the Savannah River in our town of Augusta, Georgia, and I'd always wanted to do the kayaks, and I saw them, and I had that pregnancy brain moment, and I was like, this is the moment. It's a beautiful day. It's not too hot. Let's do this. And my sweet husband looked at me probably like I was crazy, but was like, if you're in for it, I guess I am too. So we proceed to go on this kayak trip, and as you can imagine, we have two separate kayaks. Dave's, you know, in one kayak with with two kids. And I think I'm in one with our toddler and our toddler. <laughs> Make it even better. No, it is insane. So our toddler starts being just nuts. Like he's moving the kayak. And I, of course, don't have the mobility that I would usually have because I'm 30 weeks pregnant. And so we are almost tipping and I, I'm very calmly trying to tell him to stop, but then I'm all out. Like I get to the point where I'm yelling and I'm like, stop it. We're going to tip. And he didn't know how to swim. And I didn't know what my buoyancy was going to be like. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye and Dave and I too are trying to communicate, you know, from kayak to kayak down this river. I noticed this young couple, like young married couple, just strolling and looking at us, like gawking, like, what's going on with that crazy mom? Is that our future? I, seriously, I told Dave, I said, we were birth control that day. Like, we legit were birth control. And um, and they're just gawking at us, like, what is going on? And we, we made it, and it ended up that it was so bad with the toddler at the time, because he just, did, you know, he was just... sure. Just being, being a, toddler. a toddler. Exactly. So Dave tethered our kayaks together and he alone with our, our older boys, he was just the man in that moment. He was, but he, uh, with our older boys help kind of like just got us to the finish line. And then a bus with the kayak, the kayak company came to get us. Cause I'm like, there is no way we're going back. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was nuts. And I think, you know, one lesson I learned is you have to set yourself up to win. Like you don't set yourself up to fail. And I think, again, I wasn't looking at what was really required to do this two hour kayak track, but also I just learned in that moment too, just, just how that is really a metaphor for a lot of the gears of raising kids Yeah. because it is so topsy turvy and they don't always cooperate. And, you know, you can have the best laid plans and they don't go your way. But what I was trying to do kind of in those years of studying peace and trying to really be the best mom I could be was like, how do I have good, ex you know, healthy expectations, but also when it doesn't go my way, how can I still appreciate this gift of motherhood? Because I want to appreciate it. I want, I want to just relish these years because they go by so fast. You stress for moms not to miss the moments. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to get so distracted by those chaotic things that you're, you're missing the things that count. Right. I guess the question on behalf of moms is, okay, how do you discern when that moment is and I don't want to miss that moment and what are the moments I can just forget right <laughs> well I do think I'm glad you mentioned that there are moments that you want to forget and I, I think that we're you know we're human beings we're not perfect God doesn't expect us to be perfect parents he is the only perfect parent and I actually take great comfort in that like I look at the stories of uh, Jesus's parents I mean they lost him for three days I'm like <laughs> man if that's in the word like God God understands it as parents we get stressed out and he just puts that story in there for good measure to let us know, hey, there are no perfect parents. So I, I take great comfort in that. But I think that even with knowing
doing that. I think it's really important that when we blow it, we do say we're sorry. Our kids need to see us having a repentant heart, like when we blow it, just owning that and saying we're sorry. But then I think that not staying in the thick of whatever happened too long and finding the humor in it. And that's something that my husband Dave, it's just helped me so much. I mean, he's so good at finding the humor at the right moment. I mean, it has to be at the right moment because it can definitely not go <laughs> yeah, so can, well. That can backfire. That can backfire <laughs> real fast. But like as a family, like even this kayak trip, for example, you know, once we got in the car and I'm feeling like a total failure as a mom, like, cause I just lost my mind out there on the water. And I was just like, man, this was supposed to be a good moment. And now it's just going to be this bad memory. And I think one of our older boys was like, mom, that was so awesome. You went crazy. And, <laughs> and you know, and he like and those people were staring at us it was so funny and I like was so mad at first but then I was I just started laughing and I was just like guys you're right I am so sorry oh that's good I said I'm so sorry I lost my temper hopefully we can look back on this and laugh and let me tell you this was many years ago we have laughed and laughed over this story and so sometimes you know those worst moments can become like just it can give you some levity just in the in the day-to-day life and so we we actually that has become one of our favorite stories at, at my um, expense. But yeah, yes. no, but it's good. It's one of those markers. <laughs> yes. And it's great for your kids. Those are great lessons when they can yes. remember it like that, mm-hmm. see it illustrated. And so good of you to come back and talk about your failures with your kids. <laughs> no, seriously. Well, we all fail, right? Yeah, we absolutely. Uh, you've identified four peace pirates, these things yes. that rob our joy and rob us of the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they? All right. They are mommy martyrdom, which is a big one. And we can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, let's go ahead and let's hit it. All right. So this is one where I remember when I was writing this book and explaining it to my friends, just kind of seeing what they thought about this. Uh, it was one that, that at first as mothers were like, we don't do that. But I actually, I based these four peace pirates on an actual survey that I did with 300 moms okay. because I wanted to see what are the tendencies? Is it just my opinion or is this a tendency for most mothers? And this is from mothers of all walks of life with all different age kids, married and unmarried. And so, this is mommy martyrdom. Yes. So what does that this mean? This was a big one. So mommy martyrdom is basically when we end up making our kids an idol and we actually kind of neglect ourselves to the point of like being a martyr, that we are are kind of hanging on the cross for our kids, so to speak, right? This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Some say abortion is harmless, even helpful for women. But is that really true? As a Christian, you know it's not. Are you ready to share with your friends what the Bible has to say, especially after Roe v. Wade? Nearly five decades of legalized abortion have harmed every aspect of our society, including women. Join us online October 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern as Alexandra DeSanctis speaks on how abortion harms our culture and disadvantages women. Register at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Lighthouse. As Christians, we're called to bring light to the world. And as Christian parents, we want our kids to answer the call too. Bring Your Bible to School Day is a great way to do that. It's a chance for your kids to grow their faith, evangelize, and be a light in their schools. So if a faith-filled, light-giving home is important to you, join Bring Your Bible to School Day on Thursday, October 6th. Register now at bringyourbible.org. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Okay, so that's mommy martyrdom. And I I think a lot of moms will identify with that. They're trying to do the best job they can do. Absolutely. But there is a point at which you need to reach a better equilibrium. Hmm. Right. Is that a fair way to say that? 
That's a great way to say it because I do think sometimes with mothers in particular, that we see it more with moms than with dads. Yeah, and that's why I talk out, about pour it. Out, pour it out, is, pour out. It is. And we want, we so bad want to be good moms. We want yeah. to lead our kids in the right way. But I think sometimes we end up trying to, to live vicariously through them sometimes and fulfill parts of our life that the child is not even supposed to fill. That's where we see codependent relationships that that really don't, not only don't serve us well, but really set our kids up for issues later on. And sure. so it's important in this book. I say this because I myself have struggled with each and every one right, of these peace of pirates. But we've, we've got to make sure that, that we have God first. And then if we're married, then our marriage, then our children. We have to keep things in, yeah. in biblical alignment and just not not put, it's really, it's putting a lot of pressure on ourselves, but also on our children yeah. because we're looking at them to just to be our whole life. And yes, we as mothers make sacrifices for our kids. Absolutely. We as parents do. This is part of being a parent, but we're not supposed to put them as an idol where we're just living for them and sacrificing everything for them to the point of neglect for ourselves. Yeah, that's a whole book right there. Yes. Okay, number two. All right, number two, clenching control is a big piece pirate where, and this is one I've struggled with so much, it's messed with me so much, just trying to control our children. Now, on one aspect, we have to discipline our kids. We need to have expectations for our children. You know, there needs to be some semblance of control. But I do think that sometimes when it comes to control, and my husband said it so good this way, where where this becomes an issue is when our kids are doing well, we pat ourselves on the back and we take all that credit. Aren't we good? Oh, we're just, we are just <laughs> doing a great job. You know, good job, mom and dad. But then when they're doing bad, we feel like complete and total failures and we take on all of that failure. Mm. And really it's somewhere in the middle of all this, right? You know, God wired our kids each differently. Mm. They're going to have some things that it's really easy to teach them and to guide them and to lead them and other things. They're going to really rebel. They're going to really test us. And so as parents, we're constantly monitoring and adjusting and really looking at kind of how healthy our standards are, that it's not control for making us look good, you know, and I really struggle with this where I'd be out in public, I'd have these four ring rambunctious boys and they'd be maybe a little louder than they needed to be. I would feel like they're embarrassing me. Like right. they're embarrassing me. And I take that on and I would just really wrestle with that. And it wasn't necessarily about teaching them proper etiquette, so to speak, but it was the reflection on me. Hmm. And we all I, identify with exactly. that as and parents. I mean, ex- I think dads, you know, dads can identify with this too, but I really wrestled with that for a number of years. Yeah. It was like, do I want, am I really teaching them these things based on, you know, following the Lord and their character and the things that are, that last with yeah. them? Or is it just to make me look good? Because I was actually reminded of this. We had some neighbor kids that on the surface were very polite said their ma'ams and sirs, but then I would witness them because they were over at our house a lot. And behind closed doors, there was this major character issues. But on the surface, the parents loved all the ma'ams and sirs. They loved the pats on the back, like, oh, your kids are so polite. And I told my husband, I said, listen, I guess on, on the one hand, gosh, I would love it if my kids were always saying the right thing and we were getting pats on the back. But on the other it really is about character. I don't want them to be great on the surface and us getting all these accolades, but really in their heart, it's just not, it's not flourishing and it's all for show. We want to raise kids where it goes deep, where they really are living a life that is pleasing to the Lord and not, not just to please mom and dad. I mean, that's the goal is they want, we want them to please the Lord. Well, and another way of saying that too, is like you're, you're trying to shape behavior rather than shape the heart. Yes. And I think we in the Christian households, um, you know, we lean so heavily on the behavior and that's important. Yes, you know, don't yes. mishear me, but we've got to shape the heart because right. the right behavior will flow from the right heart. 
Exactly. And sometimes, yeah, kids can fool you by Mm -hmm. providing the right behavior without having the right heart. Okay, number three and four. All right, so excessive expectations. We talk a lot about expectations in this book, and they all interrelate because, you know, I mentioned expectations with clinching control. But really, I think that we have to take an assessment of what kind of expectations do we have for our children And also, what kind of expectations are we allowing to be placed on us? And this is where that definition, that real definition of God's peace, shalom comes in, because I think sometimes we allow ourselves to be ruled by expectations, whether on us or the ones that we feel are being fulfilled or unfulfilled by our children or even our spouse. And so, you know, a lot of times in in, in the research that I've been doing, I found this, this huge just issue of expectation. It was nobody's ever listening to me or they're never quite doing it that way or that we maybe even put on Mm ourselves. Like sometimes we just have these unrealistic expectations for ourselves as a mother or we think God's putting on us somehow. And so we kind of go around half-hearted feeling like we're failing, everybody's failing and it's just bad. Like I remember Dave early in parenting, especially when we had multiple kids, he was like, sweetie, you are letting this just rule your day. It's like we are living or dying by whether or not these certain expectations were fulfilled. He's like, we've got to find a way to have peace in this. Like we've got to, we need to have good standards for our children. We absolutely do. And we have to decide that as a family, as a couple, and uh, make sure they understand that. But we also have to make sure, is this excessive or is this realistic? Is this something that is a healthy expectation? And if so, have I actually told them you know, how they can meet this expectation? Yeah. Or am I allowing, or am, I, am I allowing maybe other things to shape my expectations that aren't even really one of my ideals that I feel like is part of our family. I think it's just really good to take that self-assessment. Yeah. And it's good to challenge your expectations, Mm -hmm. right? And where the the source of that is coming from. Number four. And that really leads to number four. So this is a big one in our social media driven world and that's comparison chaos. Yeah. I think every mom out there, there's whole books on this. Uh, You know, we deal with comparison, whether it's looking at Instagram or just talking to your friends, maybe even your own family. Like you feel like in my family, it was always this way. And now my family looks this way. Like just constantly feeling like you're not meeting the mark because of comparison, not because you're actually, you know, talking to your spouse and saying, okay, what does God want our family to look like? Because every family is slightly different Mm -hmm. and really having peace in that. And I know for me personally, I mean, sometimes I just have to put down, you know, I have to put down the phone because we have to realize we're all showing our own highlight reels on there. Like I didn't take pictures of my kayak fiasco (laughs) and everything I said to my child and plaster it on social media, because that's like my, one of my, you know, not great moments, but but I'm <laughs> going right. to put like the day that the kid gets the award at school or, you know, has the perfect picture where everybody's smiling at the camera, which is literally a miracle. That's what I'm putting online, you know? And actually I was reminded about this by my child when we were going to an award ceremony. It was our second child, Connor, who didn't, he's a great kid, but doesn't always get academic awards. He's very smart, but not school's not really yeah. his, his place. He, he doesn't love it. And so he gets this invitation and I was talking to my husband. I was like, oh my gosh, it's fifth grade. He's getting an award finally. (laughs) And so we go, I mean, we're all dressed up. Well, they finally get to the end of the ceremony and actually right before the end. And it was where I believe he was going to get awarded and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And it turns out it was just like a, you were part of this project award, okay? (laughs) Like participation. And so, and I I looked at my husband and I said, he is going to be so disappointed. He thought he was getting something, some kind of award that like mattered, you know? And I'm like, and it's just a, it's like an honorable mention. Like, you know, we went to all this, built it up and here's this. Well, the next award was the biggest award of the day. And it was like the character award or something like that. 
And uh, they ended up announcing one of his best friends, Claire, gets the character award. And I see my son, Connor, after he received his participation award, he stands <laughs> up and proceeds to clap for his friend, Claire, yeah. and looks back at me and has such a just joy all over his face. Mm. And then after they dismissed, he ran up to me and he said, Mom, can you take a picture with Claire? She got the biggest award of the fifth grade. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, and I was like, good. I know I'm so proud of Claire. Well, when he walked off with Claire, we took the picture and then he's mingling with his friends. I looked over at my husband and I said, I can't believe that my own child understands awards and what really matters better than me. Yeah. Here I am as the mother, again, wanting to pat myself on the back because of whatever. And, and he's over here having such joy to cheer on his friend. And that's to me, that was better than any award because my child could cheer on his friend, yeah. you know, and it just taught me, I just thought, man, I can't lose sight of those moments because, you know, they may or may not get awards, awards are great, but we have to really look for those, those signs of, of them growing in their character. What an amazing story from our guest, Ashley Willis, sharing from her book, Peace Pirates, Conquering the Beliefs and Behaviors that Steal Your Treasure in Motherhood. And we'll encourage you to get a copy of it from us here at Focus on the Family. Donate today, and we'll send that book to you. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. John, I love that story that Ashley told. It speaks to an issue that all parents struggle with, I think, and I think it's fair to say we all can be guilty of comparison. Mm -hmm. It's easy to look at how other couples are parenting or the accomplishments their kids are attaining, mm -hmm. and we make that comparison. You know, they're doing better than I am. And when we do that, we miss the opportunity to recognize where our kids are succeeding and how their character is growing. We have to remember that every family is different, just like a fingerprint. So just uh, as Ashley said, we have to ask God what he wants our family to look like. Yeah, that's good, Jim. Uh, we, and we have these programs like today so that we can come alongside parents who are struggling in some sort of way. Uh, John, that reminds me of a mom who recently wrote to us and said, I have two teen boys, I can relate to that, mm -hmm. uh, 13 and 16, and my husband and I are having a hard time uh, teaching them to become responsible, respectful adults and to start letting go and giving them more freedom to make their own choices and mistakes. Your programs give me hope and helps me to know I'm not the only parent struggling with these issues. Well, first of all, if you have teen boys, all of us struggle with those <laughs> right. issues. And I just love it because that's the mission of Focus on the Family. It's why we're here, to help parents uh, and to give them hope for the future. That's why we're telling you about resources like Ashley's book, Peace Pirates, Conquering the Beliefs and Behaviors that Steal Your Treasure in Motherhood. And if you can make a gift of any amount to focus on the family to help us with ministry, we'll send this book right out to you as our way of saying thank you for partnering with us to help a, a broader swath of people find that joy mm -hmm. in their parenting journey. We also have tons of online resources available for you. Focus is a treasure trove of help, and I hope you'll tap us and uh, just call us or get a hold of us. Yeah, our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. And we really do want to help equip your family in any way we can. So donate and get Ashley's book, Peace Pirates, when you call 800-232-6459 or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. 
I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. At Focus on the Family, we know you want to see your grandchildren follow Christ. Here's how you do that. The Legacy Grandparenting Summit, the only national conference on Christian grandparenting. Coming to over 100 locations on October 20th and 21st. You'll find wisdom, direction, and inspiration from speakers including Anne Graham Lotz and Miles McPherson. Register now for the Legacy Grandparenting Summit at LegacyCoalition.com summit. Today on Focus on the Family, we'll explore how to find God's peace when you're struggling to find joy in motherhood. But really, I think that we have to take an assessment of what kind of expectations do we have for our children, and also what kind of expectations are we allowing to be placed on us? And this is where that definition, that real definition of God's peace, shalom, comes in, because I think sometimes we allow ourselves to be ruled by expectations. Well, some great thoughts from our guest today, Ashley Willis, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. John, I'm so glad we're continuing the conversation with Ashley. Uh, We covered so many important topics yesterday about motherhood. I love the idea of peace pirates that we talked about. Uh, Ashley explained that these pirates represent things in your life that can easily steal joy from you, specifically in parenting. And one of the biggest peace pirates that I think all parents have struggled with is control. So often we want to manage our kids' behavior. Mm -hmm. Gene and I did this. We were guilty of it too. Every parent has had that moment in the grocery store where their kid just won't stop crying and you feel so embarrassed. What what can I do? I got to get out of this situation. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with wanting good behavior, but we really want their hearts to want to be good, right? Yeah, that's the journey, right? We don't want our kids to have surface level character. We want it to go deep and that's what's going to take them forward into adulthood and mm-hmm. be successful. Um, Another peace pirate we covered yesterday was expectations. Boy, we're hitting all the big ones. Every parent has expectations for their children, but also for themselves, pretty high standards. And they can so easily become unhealthy expectations. We can't let those expectations rule over us. Uh, We need to have them, but we also need to evaluate what's controlling us. It can so easily steal the joy and peace that God is giving us. Mm -hmm. And our guest today is going to help us rediscover that joy that we often lose sight of. Yeah, we've got Ashley Willis again, and uh, she's going to help us understand how we can find God's peace in parenting. Ashley is an author and mom to four boys. We can tell you more about Ashley and her book, Peace Pirates, when you call 800, the letter A in the word family. That's 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And Jim, here's how you began the conversation with Ashley on Focus on the Family. Let me ask you something, and I've seen this, you know, typically when we have moms and we're interviewing moms, women have such a capacity to put the guilt on themselves. Um, You know, I didn't do enough. Mm -hmm. I'm the shortfall here. It's my fault, whatever. And men, I think our egos block that a bit. (laughs) We're like, ah, it's the other guy's fault. 
problem, right? It's that right. person. But women just do have this capacity to say, you know what, I need to own up to it. Talk to that, because to a degree that can be really healthy in the mm-hmm. Christian walk that seems very laudable. But when it goes to extreme, it becomes unhealthy. So right. help women understand that balance of taking on that guilt trip. Man, I can relate to this so much. And I do talk a lot about this in the book because we really need to pay attention to the what we're believing, like our own self-talk. And I know for me personally, I've had a lot of years where I just had negative self-talk. I allowed the enemy to really get a foothold and convince me that I was completely mm. missing this whole motherhood thing. And, and, and maybe even, I mean, in the beginning, I even believed just, I didn't have like the proper motherhood instincts. And so therefore I wasn't going to really be that great of a mom. And I was just kind of sloughing along here, just trying to figure this out, even reading every book I could get my hands on. And, um, and I think that I, I would speak to the mom who constantly feels like she's missing it. I would challenge her to really every day think of one thing she got right. And that's not necessarily you know, to be conceited or anything like that, but just to look for the positive, because we do have to really be careful of really looking at ourselves and saying, am I self-assessing or am I self-condemning? Because there's such a difference there. And it's good to self-assess. It's good to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, where am I doing well? I need to continue. And where are there blind spots? Because we all have them. We're human beings. Where can I improve as a mom? But if you're constantly believing lies and hearing yourself kind of beat yourself up saying, well, you missed that again, or I guess you let them play games too much. And that's why they're not on this certain reading level. Or you know what? It's because of you that he's not potty training when everybody else is potty training or whatever it is. We do really take that on. And if that's what we're doing, it's constantly just, you know, degrading ourselves. That's not good. We need to start flipping it around and thinking about, you know, where can we improve? But also, what are we doing right? Because I guarantee you, every single one of us has at least one thing we're doing right. Maybe it's bringing laughter to the family. Maybe it's that you're you're great at keeping the house organized. Maybe, you know, I mean, that's something that... Keeping the trains running. Keeping Right. (laughs) I didn't even think our boys noticed this. Yeah. And then they, they were staying somewhere else where it wasn't as organized. And they have since been like, Mom, you do so much to keep our house organized. Thank you. And that just meant the world to me. And I thought, well, I guess that isn't a waste of time. I guess that does help our family kind of keep yeah, going. It's effort that's recognized. Exactly. So we all we all have those things, but we do need to, to think of those things. And I would even say to spouses listening, especially husbands, commend your wife on what she's doing, right? I, I can't underestimate that. Like, it's just, it means the world when you point out that we're a good mom. Like, it, it yeah. means the world. And in, in the same way, wives should do the same for their husbands. It's so true. That's a good way to go. I want to put a little uh, emphasis on moms and control. Mm-hmm. And, and partly because I saw this firsthand with my wonderful wife, Jean. Mm-hmm. I mean, having two boys, that was one of the things that as they became teenagers, it became a battle. You Ooh. know, they're trying to kind of expand their... Uh, wings, and yes. she's trying to keep them kind of hemmed in a little bit. And we right. would have, you know, discussions about that. And, you know, maybe time we need to back up a little bit. Right. And to her credit, she really did let go in the proper way. Not so totally, good. but it changed everything. It mm-hmm. changed her relationship with our boys. It changed her relationship with me. I mean, it, right. and it, it, most importantly, it brought her more peace, more shalom. Right. And I could see it. Yes. So speak to that mom that is still in that battle. And what Jean would say is, I just wish I would have understood that earlier. Mm. Oh, 
I echo what she said because I, we always, you know, my husband and I always tease and say we are such different parents with our fourth as opposed to our first because we don't let the little things bother us as much. And we do give a little more, you know, and with the first, I feel like I was so just, you know, trying to keep a tight ship and, and feeling like I'm failing miserably. But I would say to the mom who's, who feels, you know, just like things are, you know, they're with those teenagers specifically, and maybe it's not even a teen. This can happen earlier, especially if they're a strong-willed child, and we right. have several of those. Right. And they they really just, you know, they, they have such a strong mind that really sees things a certain way and leadership qualities, because it's not all bad. I mean, people, you know, it's hard raising strong-willed kids, but that can serve them well in life. But I think it's really giving them choices when, when you can give them choices yeah. really helps go a long way. I think too, remembering to choose your battles. I mean, my goodness, how many times I've had to learn that the hard way? Like, is this really worth the fight? Because if it, does this have to do with life altering things or is this just details? Because if yeah. it's just details, it's not going to alter their life. Maybe it's not worth, you know, us all losing sleep over it and having arguments. That's really helped me with teenagers. Yeah, you know? that's true. I, I remember I would say mountain or mohill. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, something true. like that just to help trigger a little different thinking in that regard. Yes. You actually, now I'm sorry to just put all of your uh, mommy failures I've on display, but you wrote it in the book. <laughs> yes. But you talked about this potato chip oh, goodness. incident in your car. Give us that one. That was funny. In this control orientation. Oh, my goodness. Again, I didn't set myself up necessarily. So <laughs> a dear friend of mine, Lana, uh, she was visiting town, and she was we were wanting to do something fun with the kids. I think Dave was out of town on business. And I was like, well, let's take all four kids. And at the time, I want to say my youngest was probably one year old. You know, I mean, he's just a baby. And my oldest was maybe in early middle school just to give kind of a frame of reference. We're all hopping in the minivan. I got my snacks together, including chips, okay? And I'm like, let's go two hours to Stone Mountain, Georgia, which is this really cool state you know, park where you get to see some really cool things and there's an amusement park. So we're making our way there. I didn't have enough gas. We had to stop. And of course, as we go along, and we did not have one of those vans that has movies in it, okay? So I'm also like... It's going to be just listening to music, right? And um, as we go along, the kids were just getting more and more disgruntled. And we had to have a couple stops there for bathroom and bottles and all this different kind of thing. And it just progressively was getting worse and worse. And I remember at one point there was this bag of chips. Now I should have known, I should have just put it in little like Ziploc bags. Individually. Hindsight is 2020, <laughs> right? And I had this big bag of like Doritos and they were all kind of shifting the chips around, but I had made this comment that, you know, you only got chips if you were behaving and, and meeting a certain criteria. Chip reward. Chip reward, right? Which, you know, these, yes, tokens usually work. This didn't necessarily work. So there was one point where our third child, who I think was probably three at the time, really wanted these chips, but he hadn't done whatever it was that I said the kids had to do. And so our oldest, uh, Cooper, starts pulling at the chips and he's like, no, Chandler, you can't have them. You weren't, you weren't doing what mom said. And mom said, firstborn. Oh, way to go. Firstborn. Yes. I know. I know. And he's like, that's not what you said, mom. You said, and I'm like, (laughs) you know what? We're just trying to get here. We're just trying to get here. You know, mom, mom did say that he is a lot younger than you. We're going to talk about this when we get home, but give him the chips. And he's like, but no, mom, you said, and we are, (laughs) we are holding to these rules. And you said, and I was like, just give him the chips. And he's like, but mom, you are not holding tight. And the whole time my friend's like looking at me like, and literally by the end, I'm like, give him the chips. Like, and I think I was growling or something. Like they said it was crazy. But anyway, I had lots of these, I call it the momster. Do you get it? The momster, like monster, but a mom. That's what a it was. Momster, so anyway, a yeah. momster. But um, I ended up saying, give him the chips, like loudly and very like with some angst on it. And uh, 
he gives it over to them and he's like, oh my gosh, so we all kind of pause for a moment. And I think we finally got to the park in that moment. And all of a sudden, like we're all looking around and it, and they all said, like, I think one of them goes, that was so funny. Mom said, give him the chips. <laughs> so, Darth Vader. Like Darth Vader. And so anyway, we ended up being able, again, to laugh about it. I apologize for losing my temper. But I also had a good lesson about, but you know, Cooper, mm. I'm glad that you wanted to keep the standard. But sometimes, you know, moms and dads have to adjust based on different scenarios and things. So it was a learning thing for all of us. There you go. Teaching the firstborn a little flexibility. Oh, That's goodness, good. yes. Uh, yes. Relate to First John 4.18 where it says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Yes. This should speak to a mom's heart. It does. And I love this. I talk a lot about fear in the book because I do think a lot of our decisions as mothers or even the feelings of failure or even trying to control or having excessive expectations, it comes back to this deep-seated fear that we're missing it, that we're not going to do right by our kids and that they're going to eventually not lead the lives that they could have led because of us. Mm. And and what I found kind of in, in just the research I did for this book and also my own journey as a mother is that we really can't lead and can't parent from a place of fear. And it goes back to this verse, how there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, meaning that when we lead from a place of love, that fear dissipates. And that's really leaning on the Lord because he, you know, when we trust in him, again, it goes back to trusting the Lord, knowing he loves these kids even more than we do. And he sees the bigger picture. He's not just seeing this one day where we feel like we're missing it. He sees it all. And that when we can really, really lean into love and really cast fear aside, because fear is something where it's not always bad necessarily. It can right. warn us against things. And that's, so that's a good thing. But when we are constantly in that place of fear, we let fear kind of set up, you know, a home in our heart, so to speak, then there's not room for that love. And so then we're not going to be as nice to our kids. We're going to constantly be snapping at them because we're afraid that, that we're not teaching them right. They're going to embarrass us. Things are going to go, you know, wildly wrong down the road. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, that idea that that fear actually is also leading to anxiety. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's, there is an epidemic of anxiety, especially among mothers. I, I myself, that's a big part of my testimony. And a lot of it, you know, that I experienced was in the parenting years of just those deep seated anxieties of, of failing miserably. And I think a lot of it comes from the weight we feel of being a mother, of knowing that this is a gift that we don't want to take it for granted. Um, And that's a good thing. We do need to know, like God gave us these kids. It's a big role that we're filling. But I think when we allow that to just rule in our hearts where love is supposed to rule, then we're missing it. We're missing the joy that's in it. And, you know, I'm reminded of this by Mary. I love Mary's story in carrying Jesus. I mean, she is carrying the Savior of the world. I mean, you talk about having anxiety or having fear (laughs) of missing it. Don't mess it up. Yeah. I mean, don't mess it up, Mary, you know, and doing, and then having to do a lot of going through a lot of hardship in, in her journey. And I'm reminded of this because I think about, you know, after she delivered Jesus, you know, having no place to deliver him except around the animals, the first visitors, you know, are shepherds, people she doesn't even know. And they're probably stinky. I mean, I'm a person who's very, like, I have a strong sense of smell. And I think, about the animal smells and like the shepherds and all the stuff. And here she's trying to give birth and it's really not ideal. And I think about all the the things that she could be anxious about. She could be worrying about the germs. She could be worrying about the future, whatever it is, you know, it not going perfectly because she's carrying Jesus. But it says that, you know, Mary treasured up all these things that she looked at all this. She treasured up all these things in her heart and she pondered them often. Mm. And she actually, in the Bible, she's recorded of doing this twice. The second time she does this 
is after they lost Jesus for three days and then find him among the scribes. And it says that she looked at her son learning, you know, probably her first glimpse of his ministry, of seeing him become the man, you know, the, the, the man he's becoming. And it says... She treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them often. So two very stressful moments. And I just, I look at that as a mother and I think we can really, really learn a lot from Mary because she must have understood God's peace. She understood that, yes, there's chaos in this life. Yes, there's imperfections in this life. But really, when we surrender it all to God, when we trust that God is really still in control and he has, you know, our, our best in his heart. Like he wants good things for us and he doesn't waste our pain that we can have his peace, that we know we're in good hands and we can treasure it up. I love that term treasure it up because that's what we need to do. You know, even in our failures, when we can laugh about it and we can look back and be like, man, that was, that was a really tense moment and treasure (laughs) it up. Or the little, the little glimpses of our kids becoming the person, you know, that God has created them to be just treasuring up those moments is so important. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. I was convinced that nothing could change what was going on in our marriage, and I didn't want to try anymore. But my commitment to God helped me try one more time. We went to a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, and it was life-changing. The counselors created the safest environment we could imagine, so that let us really talk We're on a much different course now, and I believe we received a miracle that week. Receive your free consultation at HopeRestored.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Ashley, one of the things, it must be the journey, the voyage of the peace pirates changes a little bit with age. So when you were the preschool mom, that had to be a little different from the teen mom. So describe that as a mom of preschoolers. What are some of those peace pirates? What do they look like? Oh my goodness. It is so different because you're facing different trials and issues. And, you know, as a, as a a mom of toddlers, I think that a lot of the peace pirates come down to just being exhausted. I mean, you're just exhausted. And, you know, in the teenage years, it looks a little different. I think for me personally, I really struggled with excessive expectations, like just not, you know, especially that first teen, not knowing what is this supposed to look like, you know, I, and every, every child is so different, but just really trying to get down to what are those, what are healthy expectations, both for my child and for myself. Yeah. And I think, I think some of those become even deeper issues with teens, obviously the culture's pulling at them and you're trying to protect and do all the things, spyware, whatever it might be, right? right? Trying to be that perfect parent. Right. And uh, it's harder and harder, I think, to be that protective parent. We need to do it. Right. But um, you're, inevitably, I think, you're going to lose some of those battles. And then it's how right. do you repair the damage that's done and love them and make sure they're, they know that you love them, even though they may have failed, which is so critical. That, that absolutely is critical. You know, I think it was James Dobson who said, roles without relationship equal rebellion. And that, that is something that I've held on to because I don't want my kids to rebel against me. And, and even more so, I want to have a good relationship with them. And so I've had to remind myself of this a lot as a parent, and especially with teens, be there to lovingly guide them along this because we all make mistakes. Yeah, it's so true. You urge moms to follow the advice in Philippians 4.8. And again, what's good about this discussion, I think, is applying it, applying yes. the scripture to a to a mom's role. Yes. So how does, uh, how does 4.8 do that? 
Yes, I love that verse because it talks about what we should focus on. You know, we talked earlier about what we allow to kind of set up shop in our minds, so to speak, the lies we're believing, the truths we're believing. And so in Philippians 4, just to remind all those listeners, it says to focus on what's true, noble, right, pure, and lovely. And, you know, I, I equate this in the book to this being gold. It's gold that is from God that can fill our heart and mind and also pass it on to others. And I think the more that we allow you know, allow God to remind us of these things and, and fill our mind with these things that are worthy of praise, with, with the good moments of motherhood, then we are more likely to really have that outpouring into our kids and into our spouse because we're not just full of fear and we're not just full of condemnation, you know, that we bring on ourselves. And so we do need to look for those golden nuggets, you know, and I, that's kind of what I call it. And I know, again, it's another pirate reference, right. but there is so much gold. And I think you know, for me, if there's something I've learned along the way is that I just, I need to remind myself constantly to look for it. And, you know, with teenagers, especially, there's been a lot of times where it is, it can be really tense because you're like, man, you know, in a year you're going to be in college or you're going to be in your own job. And I want to make sure you understand this thing. But I think that when you can focus on, well, what is something they've been doing really right? Like, where do I see the gold with this kid? When you call it out, it's so good for your mom heart and for your dad heart, but it's also really good for the kid because oh, yeah. I don't know who said this, but I've held, held on to this for many years, but praised behavior is repeated behavior. Huh. And, and that's, I mean, that goes for adults too, but with children, especially when we can point out those golden moments and say, man, like with Connor, I shared the story earlier about him praising his friend and being excited for his friend getting an award, even though he himself really didn't get a true award, or at least that he was expecting. I, I commended him. I said, you know what, Connor, this is a golden moment because you were such a nice friend and you had joy enjoying the accolades of others. Yeah. And, and I just feel like that's such, that just shows your character. And that's a wonderful godly trait. Yeah. And uh, and he's held on to that, and he continues to do that. And so as parents, we do have to look for it. I mean, sometimes we're really wading through a lot, like literally oh, yeah. wading through a lot of... To find that gold nugget. Yes. Yeah, no, yes. I get it. Yes. I get it. You know, right at the end, I want to have you express this story that really caught my heart. Um, it's a heartbreaking story about a, a good friend of yours who lost her young daughter yes. after a two-year battle with cancer. What... You know, it sounds even awkward to say it this way, but what did that awful situation teach you? Man, um, I'll share briefly of the story. So she, my friend Katie Ann, her young daughter was diagnosed with brain cancer. Mm. They did everything that every parent would do, you know, getting the best medical help and many surgeries. And uh, by the time she was four years old, the doctors came to her and they said, oh. I am so sorry, but we've done everything we can do and this tumor keeps on growing. Yeah. And they said, we can either try some other treatments that may actually debilitate her further, or you can go home and just love your daughter and, yeah. and just wow, enjoy the choice, years. Though. It's it's a horrible uh, choice for a parent to have to make. But Katie Ann and her husband, Billy, in that moment, they looked at each other, they prayed, they're very strong Christian people, and they said, we feel like we need to go home. You know, we've spent all this time at the hospital yeah. and at the Ronald McDonald house and, um, you know, where they house people who, oh, are, yeah. you know, their children are going through treatments. Talk about chaos. And it is. I mean, complete and total chaos, feeling completely out of control and just your heart breaking every day. So they went home. And in that time of going home, Katie Ann and her husband felt this burden to prepare their daughter for heaven. And, uh, and it was just, it, it's hard for me not to get choked up sharing this. And so Katie Ann would often talk about heaven and, and her, her daughter, Bennett is her name, would ask her questions and she'd say, well, mom, do you think there'll be dogs in heaven? You know, and what are the angels like? And, you know, she'd ask all these questions and Katie Ann would just graciously talk to her about it to right. not, she didn't want her to fear right. passing away. Yeah. 
And there was one day where Bennett was talking to her mom and she said, mom, do you think when I go to heaven that I can send you flowers from uh-huh. heaven? And, and Katie Ann kind of paused for a moment, I'm sure holding back tears. And she said, absolutely. I bet there's going to be so many flowers in heaven, flowers you've never even seen. And I would love for you to send me some. And, uh, and she kind of filed that back to memory, really hard, sweet, yeah. hard and sweet moment all at the same time. Well, tragically, um, about two months after they took Bennett home, she did pass away peacefully. And Katie Ann did say, she says peacefully, she talked about this on her Caring Bridge account, and she so beautifully wrote that it didn't make sense. It's that peace that goes beyond our understanding that right. the Word talks about. And she said, you know, they're never going to be the same. You, you can never fill that void of losing a child. And she said, but it, it was just this unexplainable peace of knowing that she's not in pain anymore. There's no surgeries. There's no wires hooked to her anymore. Yeah. She's with Jesus. One day we'll see her again. Well, about two months later, Katie Ann and her husband decided that they probably should move from the home where she passed away. It was just too heavy. Yeah, right. And so they were rolling up a rug and uh, just preparing to move. And as they rolled up this rug in the very middle, like of where the middle of the rug would be on the back of it, there was something stuck there. And they go to pick it up and it, it turned out it was a puzzle piece. And Katie Ann said that was very weird because they hate puzzles. Like nobody in their family likes puzzles. And she's like, how could this end up in the middle of this rug when we don't even like puzzles? Huh. And her husband was like, yeah, that's weird. And she turned it over. And she said when she turned over that puzzle piece, literally she almost fell down and she just got cold chills all over her body because on that puzzle piece was one single flower. Uh. And she said for her, it was what she referred to as like a God wink of just him saying, I see you, here's your flower from heaven. Uh. And, um, you know, you can take that a lot of different ways, but for Katie and she holds on to that puzzle piece because she said, how fitting that that flower was on a puzzle piece because when you're in the midst of something like watching your child battle cancer and pass away, it's a bunch of puzzle pieces that don't fit. It doesn't make sense. It's not something we can ever understand this side of heaven. But we do know that that when when we trust God with the pieces of our life, the pieces that don't make sense, that is actually where we find his peace. Yeah. And so I, I was just so challenged by my friend choosing to look for peace, you know, to look for God's peace, to, to look for little God winks in her life that could say, you know, that from God, just kind of reminding her, Hey, you can still have my peace. Even after this tragic loss, it, it just showed me, man, if she can find peace, I can find peace. Well, and it's so powerful. It's what Jesus was saying. Guess what, everybody? It's not about this life. Exactly. It's about what's going to come. It is. And, uh, I think we struggle being human Yes, we understanding do. that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's what the Lord is here to unfold for us. Right. There's something bigger, something better. And what a beautiful story. What a way to end this. Mm-hmm. I think, Ashley, you have hit it out of the park, man. Oh, you just, it's so wonderful. And what you've experienced in your walk with the Lord is just so illustrative and helpful to all of us as parents. Thank you yeah. for this great book, Peace Pirates. Uh, don't let the pirates steal your peace, basically. And uh, I think everybody should want a copy of this. And we couldn't even cover all the content in here. And I hope you'll get in touch with us and get a copy of of this book. If you can make a gift to Focus for any amount, we'll send it to you. If you can't afford it, we're going to trust others will cover that. So just call us and we'll get this into your hands. Um, It is one of those resources I think every parent, every mom should have. And as you can, uh, make a monthly pledge to Focus on the Family. We'll send this book to you. We have a website full of great resources for you. And uh, if you're facing something really uh, that we haven't covered today but you need some help with, give us a call. Uh, We're just a phone call away. Our number is 800, the letter A and the word family. 
uh, details about the book, how you can donate, and other help is uh, all captured for you right at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Ashley, again, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you all so much. It's truly my pleasure to be here. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.